asleep during my talk? Or I see you yawn? Oh, yeah. It's right here. Okay. Hey, before we get started, uh, just thank you for coming today. Welcome to our first tent service. Uh, I made a decision. If I hear one more joke about being intense, that person has to put $50 in the offering pot. All right? So that's how we're going to work that out. Um, before we get started in today's message, though, I'd really love to um, honor the day and honor the weekend um, with a prayer. So if you're able and willing, um, just uh, bow your heads and pray with me, please. Father, on this Memorial Day, we take a moment to reflect on our blessings as a nation, and we reflect on the high cost of those blessings. Today we offer our prayers of thanks. Thank you. Thank you for the freedom that we enjoy in this country, for the opportunities to flourish, to work, to play, to vacation, to sing and to worship you outdoors in a tent without, being, without having to hide. Thank you for the men and women who have given their lives in service to our country, sacrificing in such a costly way for the sake of others, including me. Thank you for those who have given their lives so that those who live in other countries might experience freedom from oppression. Father, you've entrusted so much to us as a nation. And with freedom comes great responsibility. So we ask that you help all of us, our local leaders, our state leaders, especially our Congress and our president, to be good stewards of the gifts that you've entrusted to them. Thank you for those who locally protect and serve. We mourn those who have given their lives and ask those still serving that they be filled with your love and wisdom as every situation they encounter brings opportunity for great peril. I ask you to give us the courage to stand up for what is right, to lead with love, and to remember to the depths of our being that you gave your life for all people. In Jesus' name, amen. Should I unplug the monitor? Would that help? Okay. Well, it's good to be here with you again. Thankful for a great day. You know, a week ago they were predicting thunderstorms. It wasn't just four weeks ago it was snowing. I mean, how crazy is this? All of us have had times when we said something, when something came out of our mouth, and we were trying to do all we can to grab it and put it back in. You ever have that? As those words are coming out, time just seems to slow down. And you're trying to grab the words, and they're just outside of your hands, but your brain speeds up, and your brain starts processing two, three, four, ten scenarios of how these words might land on the person they're coming to, and none of them are good. They're all disastrous. And you reach, and you try, but you can't stop them. And some of our most embarrassing moments came at the hands of words. Some of our most hurtful moments came because of our words. We said the wrong thing at the wrong time. Some of our biggest parenting regrets came at the hands of unfiltered words. Some of your closest, best relationships were destroyed by words, and you knew you knew as soon as they came out of your mouth, as soon as you let that slip, 
and you saw the look on that person's face, there's no going back. This is not going to play out well. There's no undo button. No one ever says, oh, okay, that's fine. They walk away from it. They can't ever unhear what they just heard. And no matter how much you say oops, it doesn't matter. Those are some of your and my most embarrassing and most hurtful moments. So a few years ago, I was in the gathering space, and I was chatting with one of you, and she is just this beautiful person inside and out, smart, um, tender, uh, kind, and just someone I greatly admire and respect. And we were talking about the topic, um, kind of what in the world is going on? What's going on in the world? Kind of a thing. And she was sharing some things that were really insightful and really cool and meaningful. And I was kind of pulled into it, and it was really good. And then, and then it was my turn to speak. And you know, this isn't going to go anywhere good. I said, I said, yeah, I agree. Times are changing. Yesterday, I saw an ad for northern toilet paper with new extra strong quilting. And they were advertising the fact that these new quilts resist breakthrough. <laughs> And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I did everything I could to grab them and, and pull them back, and you should have saw her face. I mean, she was trying to pretend like she didn't hear it, and it wasn't working. And I tried to pretend that I didn't really just say what I said, and it wasn't working very well. I mean, what do you do with a statement like that? So I basically turned around and just said, you know, I don't know what's going on in the world. And the last thing, I just walked away because I had no idea what to say after that. There's one thing I am sure of, though, is that you can relate. You've all had those things that came out and you couldn't stop them. Our words shape us. They shape people around us. They build up our kids or they tear them down. They tell our daughter she's beautiful or that she doesn't measure up. They shape our self-esteem. They shape how we view each other and how we view ourselves. And now every time I see Maria DeVos, I think of toilet paper breakthrough. <laughs> That's me. I'm the red arrow on there. When my words come out, it's usually because I feel like an idiot. At work, you f how you feel about yourself is shaped by the words your boss or your coworkers say to you or about you. Children, you're shaping the relationship between you and your parents by the words you say to them and the words you don't say to them. We shape our lives by our self-talk. Dr. Joyce Myers wrote a book, and it's called The Power of Words, and in this book, she says something I thought was pretty impactful. She says, if we were to record ourselves for just one week and listen to our own words, we would quickly understand why we have some of the problems we have and why some things never change. She goes on to say, I'm sure we would hear on the recording are confessions of doubt and unbelief, complaining, grumbling, unforgiveness, fear, and words based on other negative thoughts and emotions. We would also likely hear a lot of confirmation about the negative situations that are happening to us at the time, but not much foretelling of the great future that God has planned for us. Isn't that true? I suspect that if you and I had a recording and we played that back, we would hear an awful lot about the negative things that are going on in our lives right at this very moment. The truth is, after a while, you and I resemble 
our self-talk. Maybe we need to look in the mirror just a little more often and say, you look marvelous. Oh, come on. I am no Billy Crystal. The first service, they were rolling in the aisles. Trust me. They were rolling out the door. You guys awake? Okay. Our biggest regrets revolve around words. But our, also, our biggest joys revolve around words. Some of us have been waiting our whole life to hear those words, will you marry me? Nice job. And then that all-important word that comes next, yes. <laughs> I hope that was a yes. Or we hear, I'm pregnant, or I'm pregnant again. Congrats, it's a boy. It's a girl. Adoption, finalized. I'm proud of you, son. I love you, daughter. The right words can breathe life into people around us. So let's jump into the master class. We're in this series called Master Class in the last week of it. And it's written by, it's a New Testament letter written by a guy named James who happens to be Jesus' brother and also share the same name as my grandson. Yes. I just want you to know the guy he's FaceTiming with, with from Alaska is this guy. He's enthralled with me. Okay. <laughs> Back to James. James is a book that's all about putting faith into action. It's a book about how faith, how the rubber hits the road. And it's so important that a few of us who, when we started Keystone, um, the leadership team, we decided we were going to memorize the book of James. And we did. I think my wife still has it memorized. I'm getting a little faulty on it. But it was so important because it is about putting faith into action, which is what Keystone was started to be all about. The theme of the book is this. Faith apart from works, faith apart from doing something with it, might as well be dead. If you're going to believe something, but you're not going to look at it, you're not going to do anything with it, then, then is it even real? Do you really believe it? So James says, let's talk about how we're going to put faith into action. He, uh, he, he, uh, the first week of it, we talked about how our greatest pain in life is often the greatest opportunity for our faith to grow. And then the second week, we talked about how faith is intended to transform our life and the lives of people around us in the here and now and not just sometime out in the future. And today we're going to talk about the power of words. It's meant to be a wake-up call because James is going to spend most of a chapter on the fact that our words have tremendous impact in our lives and in the people around us. So, let's head into James chapter 3. He begins by talking to a select group of people, not select as in a cool select, but in a troubled group of people called pastors and teachers. And he gives a warning to these pastors and teachers, and he says, you've got to watch out for some things. And then he broadens it to the rest of the audience. So let's start there. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. He's saying that if you want to be a teacher and you want to stand on a platform like this and you want to engage and influence people like Brady and I do often, you are going to be held to a higher standard. You're going to be held accountable for what you say. 
And I'll tell you, it's something we take seriously because the thought of having to sit down with God someday and review the words that came out of our mouths is a daunting thought. It's something we do take very seriously. And then he goes on and he broadens it to all of us. He said, we all, all of us, we stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. They're able to keep their whole body in check. He's acknowledging that we are capable of messing up in a whole plethora of ways. We look the wrong way, we do the wrong thing, we click the wrong web link, we assume this when we should have assumed that, we react the wrong way to a situation and countless other ways. But he says, if you're able to restrain your tongue and if you can control what you say, then you've arrived because that's the most difficult thing to control. If you can do that and if you can control your tongue, you must be perfect. Because let's face it, our mouths get us into trouble over and over and over again. And then James gives us an analogy. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. It doesn't matter how large the horse is. When you put a bit in, you can turn his direction. You don't have to worry about which way the legs are going to go, which way the torso is going to go, which way the tail is pointing. You just need a bit in the horse's mouth to change its course, to go forward and backwards and left and right. And he wants to make sure we really get this, so he talks about ships. He says, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Now, casual reading, of course. According to the book Modern Ships, which I'm sure a lot of you have read, (laughs) a ship rudder is on average 1.5% of the outside of the ship. So 1.5% of the ship determines the course and the direction of the other 98.5%. And James knew that because he lands it like this. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. So like a bit in a horse's mouth, like the rudder on a ship, our tongue sets the course of our lives. Your words determine everything. Our words got us our jobs, our wives, our husbands, our cars, our friendships, our careers, what we order from the menu that contributes to our diet or what we order that distracts from our diet. Our words landed us in jail, expelled us from school, separated us from our family. Our words bring fear to the eyes of children. Our words can dehumanize another human being. And James is saying, guys, if you don't get anything else that you read in my letter, you must get control of this. The rest of your body follows this. Your life, your relationships, your career, your family will all be better off if you get a handle on this. Your tongue has the potential to change everything. And it's not just about you. James goes on, he talks about how our tongue shapes the lives and directs other people too. So he puts his finger on our chest and imagine James, his words coming off the sheet or off the screen and thumping you right on the chest. 
And then he says this, Consider, my friends, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the course of one's whole life on fire. Right now, you have the ability, right where you are, to do tremendous damage to the person next to you with just a few words. Right now, I have the potential with just a few words to ruin my career, to ruin my relationship with all of you, to ruin our church with a few words. They don't even have to be true. They just have to be words. We have a world of evil right here in our tongues. Wars, murders, genocides, all started by words. Reputation ruined all because of words. Today you can get in the car and on the way home you can destroy your whole family and all those relationships with your words. Tomorrow, Monday morning, you can go into the office and you can unleash a string of verbal words and they'll throw you, drag you out and throw you out in the street and you'll lose your career and never be welcome back again. Just with our words, we can destroy everything important to us. And James begs us to see that potential. Our tongues, this little thing, can set the whole course of one's life on fire. But you knew that, didn't you? It's no surprise. Some of you are saying, Randy, you you didn't need to read James. Just give me the mic. I'll tell you. I'll tell you how I lost my job with a bunch of words. I'll tell you how I burned up my marriage with words. I'll tell you why my daughter and son have been estranged from me for five years because I drank a little too much and I said some horrible things. I can tell you why my best friend is burned to a crisp because of the anger that came out of my words and the jealousy that was in me. We know all about that. We've trashed people's self-worth and self-identity with our words. And when we look at ourselves, we see people who can make incredible excuses for the words we say. Well, you know, yeah, it wasn't really my fault. I was pushed so hard, I just had to do it. The devil made me do it, you know, that kind of a line. My kids pushed me over the edge, or hey, hey, you know, hey, I was just being honest. That's all, just speaking the truth. Not in love, just speaking the truth. Bottom line, James says, your words and my words too can be a fire. And then James tries to figure this out with us a little bit. He goes on, he says, all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's restless evil, full of deadly poison. He's not happy about this, is he? And then he goes, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. And we've been made, or they've been made in God's likeness. Our tongues are confused. They're schizophrenic. It's like we come here in the beginning of the service, and we sing worship songs, and we're singing all happy, and then we meet someone during intermission, and we're gossiping about that guy over there and what they were doing last week. And then after the service, we'll find run into somebody who really needs a hand, and we pray with them, and we say, how can we help you? We love you. We care for you. And then we go for lunch, and we curse out the waiter over our cold burrito. That's what our tongues do. 
We don't know how they do what they do. And then James goes on, he says, out of the same mouth comes praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And now James is really ratcheting it up here. The words are like flying off the screen or his TV. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James is wound up. And I'm telling you, he says, it's worse than you think. There's nothing like it in nature. You never know what's going to come out of your mouth. It's completely unpredictable. And then do you know what James does next? Nothing. He stops. He goes on to the next topic. And I'm like, what? James, I need help. I'm a human flamethrower. Somebody bring some water and put it on me. We got to fix this thing because we got a bunch of flamethrowers in this room. But he stops. Huh. I think what James is trying to do, he's trying to shock us. You guys, I took driver's ed in the 80s and there was this video that they made us watch. And it, was full of car crashes and body parts laying and blood all over. And I guess today they're doing that too with texting and driving commercials. And I think James is trying to shock us and say, you have a responsibility. Like driving a car, you need to be responsible. And how you do that? James would say, it's just like that with your tongue. Are you driving your tongue in a responsible way? Because once things come out of your mouth, they never come back again. And we need to take responsibility for that. And we need to own the consequences. And we need to get ready to say, I'm sorry, an awful lot. So, who are the burn victims in your life? And are you willing to take responsibility for it? And are you willing to bring the healing power of I'm sorry to those people. I think there are some steps we can take. And even though James moves on, I think he didn't really give us some solution because there's so many things that we can do. One of them was pretty impactful in my life. Um, Rich DeVos is a friend to many of us and our community. And one of the constants in his life has been to maintain a positive attitude and to be very affirming to others. And if you've ever met or spent time with him, you would know that that's true. And after eight decades of his life, he decided to sit back and reflect on the power of words, the power of phrases. And he wrote a book, um, 10 Powerful Phrases for Positive People. And as I reflected on those words and how I tried to implement them early on when my kids were younger... I remember how that shifted me from being more of a flamethrower to being someone who is a life enricher. And there's always that transformation that it takes time to go through. But I want to share some of those things with you. So I found it really compelling that he started the book with these two phrases. I was wrong, and I'm sorry. I was wrong, is one of the hardest words and phrases to say, especially for those of us in leadership. It's hard enough to admit to ourselves that we were wrong with our egos, but let alone say it out loud to everyone else, that's hard to do. But it doesn't do any good to say, I was wrong, 
if we're not genuinely sorry. I was wrong and I am sorry. They go hand in hand. They complement each other. They're companions. And one without the other loses value. And then Rich went on and he wrote a chapter on each one of these impactful, positive phrases that he incorporated into his life. You can do it. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I need you. I trust you. I respect you. I love you. How would your relationship with your significant other changed if you adopted some of those words into your vocabulary? How would your relationship with your kid change if they heard you say once in a while, I believe in you? Son, I'm proud of you. Daughter, I love you. I respect you. And this is what James is driving at, to understand the power that are in the words that we speak. And how do we become a difference maker, a positive difference maker instead of a flamethrower? I'm going to leave you with three questions as you ponder the rest of the holiday weekend. One, who have you burned? Who do you need to say, I was wrong and I'm sorry to? And then go do it. And then, what phrases can you adopt, either from this list or from one, an own, your own list, that'll change your mouth from being a flamethrower to a life enhancer? Last thing I want to leave you with today is our big idea of the day. It also comes from a book of the Old Testament called Proverbs. Proverbs 18, it says this, Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. My friends, choose wisely and choose well. Let's pray. Father, it is really amazing how much power we have to build or destroy relationships, how much power resides in our tongue. We pray for discernment and thoughtfulness before we speak. We pray for repentant hearts after we speak. We pray for the strength and courage to forgive those who've burned us with their words. Thank you for this beautiful day and all the amazing hands that put this together. We are so blessed to live in the place we live and to be able to be just outside in your cathedral learning about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming to Keystone. Have a wonderful holiday weekend.